welcome to the Volvo Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on Volvo Vaginal Health. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Sophie Bergeron, who is a professor of psychology at the University of Montreal. Hi, Dr. Bergeron. Hi, Dr. Selk. How are you doing? I'm great. So today we're going to talk about what psychologists do for patients with vulvovaginal conditions. So why don't you tell me what the role of a psychologist is in some of these conditions? So the psychologist can be useful as part of a multidisciplinary team, multimodal treatment approach. And basically, we help with sort of four dimensions of vulvovaginal disorders. A first one is psychological distress. Obviously, sometimes when women suffer from a vulvovaginal pain or a vulvovaginal dermatologic condition, there are some anxiety and depressive symptoms. So psychologists can certainly help with that. Uh, We can also help with pain management, pain reductions. There's actually a lot of research showing that psychological approaches are quite helpful for reducing pain. And the two other areas where we can help are sexual dysfunction, any kind of sexual difficulty that can often be brought upon by the vulvovaginal disorder and relationship difficulties because these problems can sometimes take a toll on relationships. And what kind of therapy do you do for these conditions? So the way that I work and the way that most of us work is we'll start with cognitive behavioral therapy where, um, and it's the approach that's been the most studies. I can talk about that later. But CBT focuses on the thoughts, the emotions, behaviors, and interactions, often, you know, with your spouse or partner that may be playing a role in maintaining not only vulvar pain, but also the distress that's associated with the vulvovaginal condition. So those are the things we focus on in cognitive behavioral therapy. So working with those pain-related thoughts, such as uh, I'm going to be stuck with this forever, this is ruining my sex life. So we can really help with de-dramatizing those kinds of thoughts and the pain not having as much of an impact on the person's life. And what is the evidence for CBT in the vulvar pain disorders? There's a lot of evidence at this point. So among all the treatments for vulvodynia in particular, CBT has been the most studied. So there are now four published randomized clinical trials, which is the most rigorous way to test if a treatment works or not. And so those studies show that CBT is actually quite effective to reduce pain, improve sexual function, such as desire, arousal, sexual satisfaction, reduce sexual distress, and improve also coping. So for example, one factor that we see in a lot of women with vulvovaginal conditions is catastrophizing, which is a normal reaction because often it takes a while before they can receive a diagnosis and they don't really know what they have. So CBT really helps with reducing things like catastrophizing, which is the tendency to ruminate a lot about the problem and feel helpless uh, about the problem. So yeah, there's those four randomized clinical trials. And because of all that evidence, 
there's a group which is called, uh, it was the Fourth International Consultation on Sexual Medicine, and they recommended that CBT now be, that was in 2016, they recommended that CBT now be a first-line treatment offered to women with vulvodynia in particular, and that's where most of the evidence is. Can I recommend psychology to a patient? Sometimes they're interested and sometimes they're a little reluctant because they get the idea that, you know, these problems are in their head and they're not. And even when we reassure them they're not, they're still a little bit nervous about it. you have any recommendations on how we can emphasize the importance of seeing a psychologist? Yes, psychology is a tough sell. So the first thing is, and you just mentioned it, is to emphasize that it's not in their heads Um, and it's really not and there's like so much evidence showing that it's not that it's a true physical pain Um, and that's how we work with women we really stress the fact that we believe it's a physical pain with biomedical triggers a biomedical onset however what we know of all chronic pains is that even though you might have developed the pain for a medical reason, psychological factors after X number of months where you're suffering, those psychological factors are going to kick in. And there's a lot of evidence to show that they can make the condition worse. And so psychology can really help to reduce that distress and improve the overall quality of life. And also, it doesn't have to be a long-term thing. Sometimes people think of therapy and they'll imagine, like, I don't know, psychoanalysis in a Woody Allen movie, but it's not that at all. CBT is really focused on the present, on the here and now of the woman or the couple's difficulties. And we really try to alleviate current distress, whether it's sexual difficulties or psychological distress, or and of course, reduce pain when there's pain. And then I think depending on the patient, it can be also interesting to briefly talk about the evidence that this really works. It works just as well as other medical treatments. And it's great when it's combined with another medical treatment, it can really accelerate progress. There can be a sort of synergy between the different treatment approaches. And I would say another important thing is to find the right person, because it can happen with any health professional that you go see someone who might not know enough about vulvovaginal conditions, and you really want to go see a psychologist or mental health professionals that know something about vulvovaginal conditions. That's quite important. Yes, I've actually seen it cause harm where someone, a patient went to somebody who didn't have experience in it and then, oh, I've never heard of that and actually caused more harm to them. It really can. Yes, because that's when sometimes the mental health professional might be looking a bit too much for psychological causes. And that's just not a productive approach in these situations which it doesn't mean that there aren't other underlying psychological issues that people might want to talk about at some point, but that should never be the starting point of therapy. The therapy should really focus on the symptoms that are the most bothersome right now and then just see how it evolves. And so how do both patients and clinicians find good therapists to send their patients to? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's 
gynecologists and physicians uh, need to have a good network of mental health professionals like sex therapists, pain specialists, uh, psychologists that they can refer to. I think that's the starting point. It's that women's physician usually would have teamed up with some good mental health professionals that they can refer to and that know something about vulvovaginal conditions. I think that's the best way to start. Otherwise, depending on where you live, you can also go on the website or call the licensing board of, let's say, where I live in Montreal, Canada, it's the Order of Psychologists. So you would look there, call there, go on their website and look for people who do, for example, sex and couple therapy or who do pain management. Those people usually would know something. If they don't know specifically about bubble vaginal pain conditions, at least they're comfortable with talking about sexual issues, relationship issues and chronic pain. So those are other ways. And then for North America, there's the Society for Sex Therapy and Research. And our organization has on our website a number of therapists located all over North America. And most of these therapists would be familiar and have seen patients with vulvovaginal conditions. So that's the Society for Sex Therapy and Research. There's a directory of therapists. Not all sex therapists are psychologists, correct? That's it. Sex therapists could be social workers. They could be psychiatrists. They could be sexologists. That's where I live. That's a profession in and of itself, but that's rare. Um, yeah, so the most frequent would be a counselor, social worker. Psychologist is the most common or psychiatrist. Do patients need referrals? Not necessarily. I would say, again, in North America, in most places, you can book an appointment directly with a sex therapist, a psychologist. It's rare that I've seen where you need a referral. Um, it could be some people ask for it, but typically you don't. So it's quite easily accessible. I think in many places, patients also would have to pay. Some people have extended health benefits to cover psychologists, but it may only be limited. What can they expect on average to pay for a treatment or a, a session? Again, it really depends where you live. So I would say a range would be between $100 and $200 per session. A lot of private insurances cover at least $1,000 a year for mental health services. So that could cover, you know, seven to 10 sessions, which can help a lot. Seven to 10 sessions can be very beneficial. And then, yes, people usually have to pay out of pocket, depending on the kind of insurance they have. There are certain hospitals, for example, in Montreal, the McGill University Health Center, where it's actually on the Quebec Medicare. So it's free of charge where you can see sex and couple therapists. So there's a bit more of a wait list, obviously, but you can have excellent care with no charge. I think you're very lucky and that it doesn't exist yes. in a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you have to dig a little bit. And then there are subsidized or more low-cost services. For example, I teach at University of Montreal and I have a practicum. So I train future clinical psychologists. 
and I have three graduate students a year in my practicum, and we see patients with sexual couple difficulties, including vulvovaginal conditions. And so that is only $30 per session. So if you look at your university clinic, um, your local hospital, like you might find care that is less costly. And then it's a question of sort of your priorities and how much you want to invest in, you know, your overall health and quality of life. I want to stress again that these are short-term therapies. So it's not like you're going to be paying for a whole year, you know. So it's a very worthwhile investment considering the benefits. And I know this is a hard question because everybody's different, but do you think on average there's a number of sessions that you'd say the average patient goes to, like would need three, would need seven? It is hard to say. So in our research, so we've shown that group cognitive behavioral therapy is quite effective, and we've studied eight-session groups and 10-session groups. Uh, Lori Brado has studied mindfulness cognitive behavior therapy, and she showed that eight sessions are very helpful. We studied couple CBT, and we're showing that's not published yet, but we're finding that 12 sessions are quite helpful. So it depends, but usually I would say on average, 10 sessions with someone who has expertise in this area will be beneficial. It doesn't mean that you're pain-free at the end of those 10 sessions. It means your sexuality is doing better, your relationship is doing better, you have less anxiety, less depressive symptoms. And for a lot of women, you have less pain as well in the case of vulvodynia, for example. And then depending on the issues that you come to therapy with, it could be longer because you want to work on other things. So let's say you go to therapy for your vulvovaginal condition, but then you discover that, oh, this issue in your relationship might need a bit more work. So you'll want to stay in therapy a bit longer to work on that aspect, which is not necessarily directly related to the vulvovaginal condition. So at that point, it's up to the woman and her partner to decide. Is there any work looking at individual versus couple therapy? No, we haven't compared it that way. But there's a great study by Robin Masham that was done about 10 years ago that shows that individual CBT works very well and that it's better than just supportive therapy, you know, just someone listening to you or just a support group, which can be helpful, but it's not the same thing as cognitive behavioral therapy. So we don't know. I think it depends on the woman's need and then the partner, first of all, if the woman is partnered or not, and then if the partner is interested and motivated to take part in this kind of treatment. What we found in our work with partners is that they're really happy to be involved. They feel that they're more united with the woman who has the vulvovaginal condition. So they're quite grateful to be involved. You know, we could have thought that they would feel it's a burden to go to therapy, but that's not what they're telling us. They're telling us that they've enjoyed it, that they're sort of relieved to finally be part of the solution, not just the problem. 
So yeah, it's quite beneficial. And it's really based on what the woman wants to do. I think when there is a partner, I would tend to recommend to do it with the partner. I think that can be more helpful, but that's just my clinical opinion. That's not based on research. Do you have any other last minute take home points for our listeners? Hmm. I think my last take home would be to stay hopeful and to be patient. There are not quick fixes for vulval vaginal conditions. I know it's tempting to want quick fixes, but it's really worth being patient and seeing this, as is the case with any other health difficulty, as an opportunity to learn about yourself and to grow and to grow in your relationship as well. I think those are very wise words. Thank you so much for talking to us today. You're welcome, Dr. Selk. Have a nice rest of your day. Thank you. Again, that's Dr. Sophie Bergeron, Professor of Psychology at the University of Montreal.